we have to talk about consciousness. Our life is actually a midpoint between the two deaths. To use the sexual energy in order to achieve enlightenment. The three-dimensional spiral shape encoded in our DNA, in our biology. Hello, hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of... The Discomfort Zone Podcast. I'm just checking out my levels. I think it sounds okay here. Welcome, one and all. Thank you for joining me. Oh, God, I just clipped it there, so that's good. Um, great to see you here. We've got a few people in chat. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if that's a soft J or a, la, a hard J. Nodge or Nodge. Now I'm learning Portuguese, so they have a lot of soft J's here. Nodge, Noz. So uh, welcome. Welcome, Breeze, Rondon, Gecko. And avian flu. Why avian flu? Why are you always above the bot? I always miss uh, seeing you here. Anyway, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. Um, we're back with a brand new episode. And to start it off, I'm going to segue nicely. Uh, for those who've noticed, either watching the video or I hope by the time this goes out on the podcast apps, you'll be able to see it there as well. And uh, thank you very much, Rondon, for my very late timing with sending you the uh, updated cover up. But uh, you managed to get it in in time, so thank you very much for that. As you can all see, I have updated the uh, the cover art for the podcast. I am uh, extremely happy to uh, announce and use this opportunity um, because it was actually made by a very gifted uh, designer artist um, whose uh, handle here is. And I'm going to butcher this, but bear with me. Pigslush Puff, I think it's like. Anyway, that's what we're going to stay with. Uh, <laughs> but you can check it out with his uh, Hive handle as well. Uh, he's on there. And uh, show him some love. Um, I'm going to read you that in the end because I'm looking for it now. But he is uh, teamed up with Oriel, um, who I mentioned a few episodes ago. Oriel's a new podcast app that's, uh, uh, I think, in development now is actually available. Is in alpha or beta i'm not sure but uh it's it's being developed they very much appreciate any feedback and uh, you can download it now from the app store that's a u r e a l oreo and it's a great place to listen to all of your podcasts so uh big lash puff i'm, ho I'm hoping that's <laughs> pronunciation has teamed up and he is offering i actually have to vouch for this to verify that there are still some places because uh, he was only doing it for a certain number of people but if you're quick and there are still uh, places available and you have a podcast then you can uh, get in touch with him and he uh, can make some new cover art for you as well so i want to thank him very very much for what he did i love the new design um, i must admit that it's very different from where I was, uh, you know, thinking about it. So, but I love it. I really love the take that he uh, brought to on it. So yeah, wonderful work. And uh, you should check him out. His handle is, I'm going to sp uh, spell it out. <laughs> V-R-U-S-H-A-L-S-H-R-A-V-A-N-E. You could make that up. V-Rush, oh my gosh. V-Rush Al-Shravane. Something like that. Anyway, I'll uh, type it up here on chat and uh, you'll be able to uh, see it as well. Um, thank you. Yes, amazing artwork. So thank you to all of you. What, what? The the uh, the spelling, you mean? Um, 
Sorry, I was reading on chat some of the uh, comments. But uh, yeah, I'll type out the name here so it'll be a, <laughs> a little bit easier. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, check him out on Hive. You can follow him. And he's got some amazing, amazing artwork uh, to see as well. So I just wanted to uh, reciprocate and mention him and thank him very much for the work that he has done. So Oriole, check it out. A new podcast app, definitely worth it. Okay. I don't know if you can tell, but this whole uh, promotion and uh, uh, yeah, a lot of details, of it, not really my strong suit. I'm very good at waffling on about uh, very theoretical ideas. I'm not very good at the whole uh, promoting certain events and stuff, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we'll move on. So <laughs> following last week's episode, um, we were talking a little bit about, well, various things off topic, but I uh, felt that, uh, well, not felt, I had sort of a few more things that I wanted to say that we didn't actually have time to finish. And I saw that the, the place that it had ended um, was a nice little uh, sort of cut to the two ideas that I was uh, thinking about. And so this week I wanted to carry on from the theme of last week, I should say. Um, but if you didn't listen to the episode, don't worry. It stands alone uh, as it is anyway. Um, oh, and I'd like to welcome, yeah, Krim and Frankie. Oh, and Abigail Honey, welcome. Welcome to the chat. Thank you for joining. So without any further delay, let's get started. So last week we spoke all about um, the narrative and this whole idea of all of our, you know, uh, beliefs and facts and perceptions, etc., etc., are all part of our subjective narrative. And it's very hard with uh, language and even science to reach any kind of uh, um, something that's absolute and factual in the sense that, you know, not that it's uh, not debatable, but its significance and whether that's where importance should lie. So it's not necessarily in um, whether something is right or wrong uh, as it happens in the world, but much more so whether that is what we should be thinking about or what we should be looking at. And so this week I wanted to talk about um, an extension from that. And this is something I've noticed and sort of have been thinking about and mentioned a few times on the show, and I think we all experience it and I'm 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 struggling to name it uh to give it some kind of words so uh I, maybe you can help me if you've got any ideas <laughs> in chat or I can see it's on fire um but I call I'm calling it now I wrote down uh, the individual's revolution and what I mean by this is basically if you look throughout history and this is this is true I think to um any kind of secret, ancient, untold, conspiratory, whatever um, history that you can think of, this level of freedom and this level of individualism doesn't seem to have existed in any time uh, throughout history that I can tell. And for various reasons, and we don't have to go into the analytics of uh, um, how we got here, obviously it has a lot to do with you know, our level level of comfort and our ease of survival and the, the level of freedom that we experience as uh, whatever middle class uh, Westerners such as myself um, is not, you know, the majority of people in the world, obviously. But nonetheless, I think that even regardless of some kind of uh, financial state, um, there is a, a, a definite revolution in the individual's capabilities and the options that are now open to individuals. And so this uh, this is a, a subject 
that I've sort of been investigating, thinking about, and obviously, you know, my my life is a certain testament uh, to this wave, this uh, new idea that is uh, coming to creation over over the last, I would say, probably twenty or thirty years, not much before, probably. The hippie revolution, you know, in the 1960s was a big instigator of, you know, throwing off the shackles of society and 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 um, chasing your own individual path. But nevertheless, that wasn't a, a societal shift um, as much. People were still very much adhering to the constraints of the individual, um, with the same, you know, time old uh, tale of of basically. Um, you know, the good of everyone, uh, uh, how do you say, uh, all for one and one for all, but it's actually that uh, um, for the good of the whole, the uh, community is more important than the individual. There's a, there's a phrase I'm missing here, I can't remember exactly it is, but uh, <laughs> that um, it's, it's more important to sustain the whole at the expense of an individual's freedom. You do your part, you do your share, and this is very much the mentality in most um, societies today, I believe, statistically, you've got numbers uh, speaking, um, and certainly throughout history. Uh, and this is indeed what's um, what was evolved in order to survive. It really was necessary because one person alone couldn't survive, quite literally and also sort of uh, culturally speaking. But in today's world of the the, the the age of information, obviously, with the internet um, and and many things other than that, information is a big part of what frees people. Uh, information and, and maybe knowledge would be a closer uh, term to what we're talking about. Um, education. When someone isn't aware of something, doesn't know something, um, they can't use those tools. But the more things we become aware of, um, and, and even no matter how impractical they may be, um, if we're studying a certain subject, the more we widen our horizon, the more we uh, take in, the more it informs our whole worldview. And I'm really glossing over this because I, I assume that all of this is very uh, conventional and understood by everyone, that education is a good thing, that uh, information is power, right? Knowledge is power. Um, so what does this all mean for us? Well, in relation to um, last week and the narrative, I think one of the places that we see this, um, obviously, <laughs> we see it everywhere, but one of the places that I've noticed is within the um, the field of art. I've had it called field, but um, the, the, uh, the creative abilities to express oneself throughout. And so this is twofold. Obviously, throughout history, there was always the starving artist. Artists from very long time were only... Um, hired and paid to do work uh, for someone else. Um, and then there was obviously a time when artists could uh, work for themselves, but obviously they very, very often couldn't devote uh, as much time, maybe an effort as they wanted to, because they had to survive and they didn't have much work. And most of them were, you know, starving artists, as the cliche suggests. But today's world is the absolute opposite. In fact, in today, there's a lot of uh, uh, even bemoaning of the fact that so many people are creating art because obviously and necessarily the quality of art diminishes. Now, this isn't um, necessarily, I think, because people are less talented today, but we were certainly much less aware of any other artists uh, who weren't successful in history. Um, but now every 
person who calls themselves an artist uh, is 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 accessible to anyone. So we're flooded with this tidal wave, unimaginable of people um, producing art. And by art, I obviously uh, am talking about everything that counts as any kind of creative creative expression. So uh, this this might be <laughs> debatable, and I'm very much going to try and avoid any kind of definition of art. Um, because to my knowledge, and as far as I can tell, it's really hard to categorize something as art. Um, it's more a perception. You can perceive anything as art, as artistic, because art is inherently a um, an audience, a participatory, um, well, art form. So if you don't have an audience... Um, then it's very hard to define something as art, although that's also possible because anyone can be an audience, including the creator. But nevertheless, uh, to try and avoid <laughs> any kind of problem, we're going to categorize pretty much anything could be art. And so to take a real-life example to uh, uh, put it down to what we're talking about here, um, when we think about vlogs, when we think about reaction videos, uh, when we think about... Um, you know, mashups taking, uh, I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> taking various TikToks and editing them together into one 20-minute video of, you know, 30-second clips. Um, all of that is art. Uh, it might not be good art. It might not be entertaining. It might not even be watched by many people. But to put that video, you know, into the world um, with the intent of showing it as some kind of creative expression, no matter what, uh, how minimal it may be, by definition, we can uh, we can definitely call that art, and this is something that that really is is very unique to today and has never existed uh, throughout history. Um, most people who didn't have uh, any talent, and certainly, I mean, even people who didn't have enough talent, uh, couldn't afford to do anything they weren't good at. Um, and so, you know, this was obviously. Uh, could be helpful in narrowing down the options and trying to decide what it is that you want to do. Uh, but it was definitely much more constricting and uh, whether or not the world is better off uh, not not knowing about all of these things, I think that it's there's there's something else underlying that uh, that could be interesting to look at. And uh, I'm, I'm really trying so okay, let me let me take a step here away from the negative side of this, uh, you know, abundance of freedom that we experience, and obviously is the more, I think, more obvious phenomenon that people are talking about, and instead look at uh, maybe a positive side to the same uh, personal uh, freedom that we have, uh, that we've seen grow among us. And this is the side of, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is a movement, I believe, I'm not sure if I have mentioned it on this podcast before, I made a video recently for our YouTube channel talking about it, it's a movement that I heard about, I think, four or five years ago, something like that, when I was just getting into uh, electronics and, uh, uh, what, um, what do you call it, microcontrollers, uh, Arduinos, I forgot the name from it. Um, and I came across this uh, movement that calls themselves the Maker Movement. And if you've never heard of it, as it names implies, it's the, the, the whole movement of people today that can be seen in various, in, in almost all fields, um, who are making things. And it doesn't matter if what they're making is sort of, you know, software or uh, hardware or, you know, art or any kind of uh, thing that can be created. I think most of the maker movement revolves around physical 
things of one kind of another, whether it's working with wood, stone, metal, or whether it is, you know, robotics or whatever. Um, but I, I mean it to uh, include any uh, creator, as it were, um, anyone who creates anything, who makes anything. And this movement is, is well, if you've never experienced it before, and it's interesting for you, I'd highly recommend just, just going down the rabbit hole of your choice. There really is an abundance of it in, in everywhere. Any field that interests you or even is, you know, just in any way you're curious about, um, there are people out there who are filming themselves either learning from day one or, um, you know, experienced masters who are sharing their secrets and, uh, and uh, knowledge. It's really unbelievable. And watching this, not only as I sort of first came across this, as we all do, I think, uh, through tutorials, through trying to learn something new like electronics, you know, that's where I first came across coding and all of these subjects that were very, very far removed from me. I had no experience with them uh, in my life, uh, suddenly became sort of, you know, uh, at least a little bit of light was shed on them. And obviously, I'm far from being an expert in any subject. That's why I talk about everything, because there's nothing I know uh, too much about. <laughs> but um, I definitely learned more than I knew before. And it was watching uh, these people that really sort of uh, got me, as I think we all are today, into this idea that, well, if there's anything I want to learn, I can go and look for these people you know, these these sort of very obscure, uh, you know, not famous, not celebrities uh, who are just putting out tutorials on whatever obscure, weird, you know, fetish subject you're into now, like weaving or, or you know, etching or whatever it is. Um, and you can find it. And after, yeah, as I mentioned, I don't know, four or five years of going through, I don't know, thousands of hours of tutorials. I really do. That's that's my addiction. My addiction is sort of knowledge. I can just get into a subject and really research it and then go on to the next. And many people are like that, and I think, today when it's so easy. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it feels like it might be too much sometimes. But over <laughs> that, those these last few years, I've definitely uh, feel like I've made my way through the maker movement and uh, and experienced a large amount of it, obviously. Not everything, but I've seen a lot of uh, lectures about it and people who are sort of celeb representatives, as it were. Uh, you know, the people like who invented the Arduino or were part of that uh, creation process who talk about it as unleashing this power um, in the hands of the masses, basically opening up, you know, uh, microcontrollers, robotics uh, to everyone, to anyone who would want to build a robot for whatever reason, whether it's to, uh, you know, examples that I've seen, uh, turn it on your coffee pot before you go downstairs, or whether it's to build a, a, a basketball hoop that you uh, can't miss, um, wherever you shoot it actually moves to and gets it in, um, you can do it. And not only can you do it, but you as an individual, you without any other crew or people, or, you know, uh, teachers, or or any other person, um, you can do it yourself, obviously using the resources that are available, but that's not as it was once when you would have to be an apprentice. You'd have to go to the specialist, the master, and live with them, or, you know, at least train with them for years and years, because otherwise you couldn't get that knowledge. Now, granted, I will I will agree absolutely that there is a vast difference between someone who goes at the age of six and is an apprentice for a master 
who has been doing this his entire life and his you know father and father's father were doing this uh, you can't compare that to watching YouTube tutorials and sort of mushing your way around and, and, and cutting corners and trying small projects and stopping them um, and eventually coming to whatever level you get to. Uh, clearly, uh, these are not, you know, replaceable. These are not uh, equal. But uh, we have to remember that for that, you know, every one person who got to be an apprentice uh, with their master, there were millions uh, who were, you know, uh, farmers and just growing corn. And most people didn't have any opportunity. So the idea is we can't equal that level of education. But what we can do is we can open up sort of free passive education. And that allows any single individual uh, not only to basically uh, um, become, you know, an expert in the field of their choice, but really have the freedom to explore any field that they want and to even try out and, and invest whatever amount of time and energy they want to in any field without a good reason and just you know go down this rabbit hole of those peak productivity hours between 2 and 4 a.m when you get the most done and just uh, you know use that time for whatever you want and this is uh for me personally uh, this is this comes into practice in in many different ways and this this whole maker movement uh, signifies for me a change a very big change i think in our human consciousness and our uh, human culture uh, generally speaking if we compare it to throughout history and see today as you know uh, in one way or another an evolution from where we were so for those who don't know um, i am we uh, my family and partner uh, are in the process of trying to build a, an eco-village and we have some land and we're working uh, on the land to uh, create a self-sufficient environment, basically. And this includes many, many different skills. And uh, as uh, Darren Adoy says, the, the farmer is sort of the, uh, was it the, um, you know, the, the has to master all the trades because they're all necessary for the work that you're doing. When you're a real uh, homesteader, it sort of involves all of these different areas. And so, you know, obviously learning and working on the land until now, it's been a very, very uh, productive journey of working with wood, and learning the whole process of taking a tree and making it, you know, um, material that you can work with and collecting rocks and a lot of different things. But within all of that, that's all very, I mean, the things that I do, obviously, very physical, very um, tactical. It really is learning a lot with your body and, and, and maybe less so conceptually. Obviously, there's a part of it, but a lot of it is repetitive. A lot of it is not um, very uh, complex or fine um, motion. For example, you know, using rocks to build or even, you know, sawing wood or digging uh, in the earth. All of these are things, if you, any of you have experienced, that, <laughs> that take a long, long time when they're done by hand, not with machines, obviously, they take a long, long time and are very repetitive. They don't require a lot of mental energy in order to complete. Um, and so for me, that's, that's, uh, I categorize all of that work as in uh, my Taoist practice. So if you, if you can come and do a mundane, uh, in a way, you know, meaningless task like digging or like uh, cleaning, 
as they do in the uh, in the uh, monasteries, in the uh, temples, um, then you really have to get into this place of Zen where you're sort of letting go of all of your uh, egotistical desires of wanting to stop and give up and be lazy and do something else and bored, etc., etc. You really are faced with it when you're trying to uh, collect these rocks in the land and, uh, you know, just carry them in a wheelbarrow. So uh, that's that's the way I sort of perceive <laughs> and deal with those uh, things that need to be done. But there is another kind of creativity, obviously, which is, uh, you know, those those things um, were always open to everyone. But today, um, technology has actually opened up an entire new vista of capabilities that really, um, you know, to some extent weren't available uh, throughout history, uh, to my knowledge at least. Um, oh, yeah, we, I uh, definitely worship the Tao as well. <laughs> a sound wave photon and a swoop, sorry, swoop and rondon. Um and so, as part of this, I mean, actually, the the way that I got to this was I, um, as some of you know, and I spoken about last week. I consider myself uh, a, an attempted, uh, a, a trying to be a filmmaker. Uh, I like shooting films and 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 uh, editing them. So I wouldn't say that in any way <laughs> I'm a, a successful filmmaker, but it's something that interests me, and it's something that I'm studying and learning much much more than I'm actually doing. Um, I think this is because also I'm more interested in sort of understanding uh, the art form rather than actually being, you know, commercially successful in any way. So within that, there's this whole field which is sort of started, you know, years ago and is now in a whole new world, which is uh, VFX, uh, visual effects, basically. And obviously, I assume we all know about this, green screens and, and deep fakes and all of today's, you know, uh, nothing can be trusted. And this all ties in very nicely with our idea again of narrative, where if once we believed that watching the news was watching something objective and real, or whereas, you know, if you saw a picture of something, um, there was no thought that it might not be true. A picture was proof. You know, if you needed proof, you took a picture. Um, if you if you wanted to catch the criminal, you caught them on camera. Um, nowadays, in our generation, I hope at least more and more people are no longer sort of falling for that quote unquote. Just because something is filmed on video um, has no guarantee that it's actually true. And today, even the absolute specialists who you know once could sort of go over fake. Uh, you know, art pieces and be able to exactly see where it was stitched together or, you know, discover whether something is true or not under investigation. Um, with with computers, um, this is becoming harder and harder to do. And with computers actually taking on, uh, you know, a, a video editing, editing in the sense of what we call photoshopping today, which is funny that that's become a, a verb, um, manipulating data to make it appear as something else uh, it's actually getting harder and harder to uh, to see to spot and so uh, this is also something that i'm very uh, interested in and uh, within my field um, i've become very interested in again this uh, tool as being used to express my uh, creativity and so within filmmaking uh, one of the uh, obvious uh, constrictions to any individual and for people trying to compete in any way with the big studios was obviously the budget which goes into you know the vast crews and and location and, and everything to support that etc etc and with the visual effects this is actually opening up um, a new avenue for creators where first of all 
already uh, in the world of animation, there are people, uh, not many, <laughs> but some, who are sort of creating these uh, masterpieces, really equivalent with any, you know, high production value company out there, um, and creating this entire, you know, uh, film themselves on a home computer with, you know, software that they could get. And this is this is absolutely unbelievable, uh, specifically within the realm of filmmaking. Although again, uh, this is there's there's relations to this in many different uh, forms. But if it comes to you know the, the the different arts like plastic arts, it's still very very hard to free people from the need to sort of buy the supplies and use them themselves, and it'll cost whatever it'll cost. And that was more or less the same throughout history, as it were. Um, but when it comes to the digital age, um, this technology now is no longer sort of, uh, you don't have to keep paying to use it because it's software. So it can be used um, however you see. And the better the software becomes, the more creative freedom you have as an individual. So instead of having to, as it was once, you know, go and manually by hand have to do something and therefore have to learn the technical prowess to be able to do it, the digital revolution the computers are actually replacing a lot of the need for you know manual labor and actually freeing you up as a creator and so because of this i decided um, that what i'd really like to do is start uh, learning a free piece of software which i will just very quickly mention i've no idea who would be interested or not but it's absolutely amazing if you have heard of it uh, called blender and it's a free open source, one of the first open source and certainly one of the biggest uh, open source softwares out there, which means that they've got a lot of very, very advanced things that their community are developing for them. So it's an amazing piece of software. If you've never heard of it, it originally is a 3D modeling software. So you can use it to create uh, 3D models. Um, but within that, it's now, you know, developed into... Uh, it can handle a lot of different tasks. So it comes with, you know, the built-in renderer and compositor, and it can handle VFX, and it has, you know, motion capture and uh, motion tracking and, uh, you know, building 3D uh, virtual sets. If any of this uh, is, <laughs> you've no idea what I'm talking about, I apologize. But basically, a lot, a lot, a lot of options um, that used to require many, many different softwares and each costing a lot of money all of this is now available in one bundle, in one program that in itself is free. Obviously, there's a lot of things you can pay for in addition with the software. You can buy different add-ons and plugins and models. Um, but if you were in a situation where you just wanted to try and you had no money or you didn't want to pay any money, then uh, it's absolutely free. And so I've been dabbling in this and I'll just give you an example because it's very cool. Um, but uh, I'm not sure if you uh, will agree as much as I, but... I, uh, in my work, I deal a lot with, um, you know, in, in general with Eco Village, with land design, you know, farm design, seeing the shape of the land, uh, a lot of these different things. And for the longest time, I was looking for a uh, an elevation map of the area, of our land. And there's a few things available, and you can buy things here, and you can uh, find some resources online, but there was nothing, you know, really good for what I wanted. And then I found Blender. Within Blender, and this is after literally years, I found that someone had created a uh, an add-on, a plugin, that allows you to take a, 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 
piece any part of Google Earth's satellite images and convert it into a 3D model of that of that piece of land, of that terrain. Uh, or oh, I think it works actually in cities as well and everything. I've never, <laughs> I've never actually tried it on buildings. I've only done it on uh, pieces of land. Um, but it's this is incredible. I mean, uh, if you take a moment to think about this, maybe it's not as incredible for those who aren't in it. But um, <laughs> you can now have a 3D model for absolutely free within about two minutes, depending on your uh, computer power, uh, less probably, um, uh, a 3D model uh, of a piece of ground that you can then obviously edit and add and do whatever you want. But, uh, um, you know, as it is, as an add-on just for free. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And with that, then you can do obviously a lot of other things and you can, uh, <laughs> it's funny because for me, this tool for um, land design is incredible because now you don't have to work with elevation maps. You don't have to work with 2D maps that are, you know, much less intuitive to visualize. You can actually work with a three-dimensional space where you can see the relation in the heights and obviously you can measure everything accurately and you can uh, use the model for its, uh, um, you know, uh, exactness and, and um, its preciseness. But you can intuitively just have a look and turn the camera here and there and you can animate flying through the scenery and you can do all of these things um, really, uh, uh, yeah, for free, which you never could be able to do before. And so uh, all of the tutorials that I've seen about this are for 3D artists um, and different uh, game developers for creating terrain for, for their games or for their sceneries. If you want to make a realistic looking mountain range, why not just take one from Google Earth and you can import it then? Um, which is just funny for me because it seems to me, um, you know, something that's, I mean, that's obviously very nice, but there's also other tools you could use to generate, you know, random natural looking mountains. Whereas to be able to take the terrain without even, you know, a two hour drone flying through um, and just take it from uh, the satellite images and start fresh uh, within two minutes is, is unbelievable. So anyway, that's something that changed my life, um, but it's probably not as transferable. But the idea is the same, that this software that's now available for everyone, for those who are listening, Blender, um, can do some very amazing things, whether it's for me, you know, in my uh, uh, sort of professional work, um, but also in the creative side, whether it's in filmmaking general or in 3D uh, modeling. And when you get to uh, this, this isn't exact because Blender isn't um, designed, I think, for 3D printing. But I'm pretty sure it's can it's you can work with it. You just have to convert it as you send it to the software. You can use Blender to model something, and then have a 3D printer create it. And this is amazing for not only artistic, uh, obviously, value, um, but most of the work that I've seen personally was in you know engineering. And now, if you're an engineer and you want to design, you can print, you know, all of your different designs in much, much less time than it would have taken without you having to even be there and come and test them and, and see and learn and, you know, redesign it again, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, this is an amazing, um, again, again, enhancing the freedom of an individual where you don't need a lab or, you know, you don't need to go and rent one. You don't need too many, uh, too much expensive uh, machinery and tools to make all of these things and you don't need a team or you don't need financing you can do this in between your work as many people are and if you upload it to youtube 
or find some other way to monetize your you know teaching and your showing of the progress then you can actually be as it were financed by your audience who are you know who feel they're getting something out of it so this is in and of itself is is responsible as we can see to this huge explosion in creators that uh, that never has been i think before as much um definitely not in terms of sort of passion creators what you could call them not people who are producing in order to uh, uh, earn with their wages but actually people who on top of their work or whatever have decided to sort of take a leap of faith or try it or even do it just for fun um, like this podcast and decided to uh, create because they want to and not for any other reason so within all of this I can see that I'm once again coming close to the <laughs> the end of uh, of the show. I uh, haven't got through everything, but I'm uh, going to try and wrap it up a little bit. You know what? Before I move forward, actually, let me just go through chat very, very quickly. Um, oh, okay. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, jokes here and there. Nice. I don't think there's anything too crucial. If you did send a message and I missed it and uh, I haven't, then please uh, resend it and I'll, uh, I'll try and see it. Uh, yes, a lot of blunder jokes. I have to tell you, talking about uh, blunder jokes. Um, Never mind. There's a, <laughs> there's a guy who has a very famous Blender channel, and then his latest video has been just a Blender tutorial how to blend things in a smoothie. So yeah, <laughs> it was funny. But I actually wanted to talk about one other thing before I go. And within all of this, um, obviously, there's the whole side of software freeing uh, people, and a big part of that today, I think, is AI. And with AI, this is again another very big revolution. I think none of us can really fully grasp the implications uh, of what this will mean in, you know, 20 or 30 years. It could go either way. Anyway, it could be, you know, a dead end or nothing moves forward or, you know, self-destructs or whatever. Um, and it could take over in a, a Terminator style and anything within that uh, gamut is possible, I, I believe. Uh, it's hard to say. But what we do know is what's happening right now. And what's happening right now is, as far as I can tell, uh, not talking about any kind of uh, dark demonic uses, um, is that it really is helping people with uh, with software. So AI, you know, uh, whatever you want to call them, deep learning algorithms, whatever, are able to come and sort of do these tasks that were previously uh, really impossible uh, to a certain extent. And so I don't know if you've seen uh, some examples of these, but the, the deep fakes that have been cropping up, I think it's already a year old or something, but uh, I, I just watched another one <laughs> today. Um, and it's obviously another another uh, stick into this idea of you know absolute truth where now if I'm watching an interview with someone, I shouldn't be thinking of it as, you know, I'm I'm judging this person by what they're saying, but it really should be viewed more in its entertainment value as we view, you know, other things that we know are unreal. Um, but regardless of AI, there's this whole world of, you know, computer science and coding, which obviously uh, utilizing uh, artificial intelligence within that is taking it to the next level. But even just within that world of coding, uh, before you reach that level of AI, people have some very incredible things that they are doing today. There's one uh, YouTube channel. In fact, I actually wanted to mention this because I just saw it before this uh, show. Um, and it really was very interesting. It's a guy I've been uh, watching, following on YouTube. He's called... Uh, I can't remember the name of the YouTube. I'll, I'll check it out now. But it's uh, 
the the name of his series is called Coding Adventure, and I don't know, I don't know how many of you uh, watch many uh, coding uh, videos. I uh, assume they're not many, so I will try and keep this as uh, <laughs> as interesting as possible. Um, anyway, his name is Sebastian Leg. Leg, I think so. L A G U E. And uh, anyway, if you're interested, check him out. But what he does is he works with code, with C, C Sharp, I think, or C++, um, in order to create uh, digital art in, in a way, or, you know, 3D models and uh, 3D environments and sceneries. And he also implements these things within sort of games that he uh, makes. And I think his sort of uh, one of his earlier passions was really, uh, I think, the, the gaming. But what he does is he is a coding adventure. He experiments with writing these different codes, and so for example, I'll just give you a, a few things that are to understand. He writes these codes that are supposed to visually uh, simulate certain things. So, for example, you can simulate fractals if any of you have seen, or these you know very interesting geometric shapes uh, and, and animations that go through them. Uh, you know, these sort of uh, dissolving shapes into one another, etc., etc. But this last video that I saw was actually where he was attempting to uh, simulate uh, an ant colony's behavior, which, uh, if you've heard this show for long enough, you'll know I'm a very big fan of ants. I think ant colonies are one of the most interesting organisms uh, that we have. And it was very, uh, it, it was very educational to watch this because what came about it again, which is something that, uh, again, comes to us, uh, I think that I've spoken about before, in order to reach a ant colony-like behavior, you actually don't write a very, very complex code. Um, the idea being that very complex uh, systems are actually derived from rather simple uh, sort of basic rules. And utilizing those simple basic rules uh, lead to unexpected and sometimes complex results in the future. Uh, so one of the very, uh, uh, well, one of the subjects that I'm passionate about, one of the examples of this is the game of Go, which is a very, very simple game in terms of the rules, especially if you compare it to its uh, its uh, other, you know, half as it were. But the uh, chess, you know, every piece uh, moves the same. Once a piece is placed, it can't uh, be moved. So it's a very, very simple guideline, simple set of rules that lead to these tremendously intricate uh, and complex patterns. And again, when he was attempting to, and I think succeeding in a way, uh, code uh, some kind of ant colony, the rules that he was using in order to get there were very, very simple things of like, you know, motion, what dictates which way the ants will go, etc., etc. And then he would sort of let the simulation run, which is what the, the computer part of it is. And you watch as you he doesn't know what will happen. You don't know what will happen, um, but the computer simulates given the rules that he gave it. And it was very interesting to see this, and it really it blew my mind. Now, the second half of the video, he was attempting to simulate uh, slime. And there I think... I wasn't as impressed, I have to admit. Maybe it's because I have quite uh, high uh, <laughs> standards when it comes to slime. Um, if I have mentioned it before, I'm pretty sure. But there's the experiment, the very famous experiment. If you haven't heard of it, you should really go check it out. Of the slime that was put into a maze and given food at one end. And it was sort of used to determine what the shortest path 
you know, to uh, two different food sources would be, um, and then using those techniques to sort of design the uh, road system that would lead, that would connect different major cities in Japan. So it's in the field of biomimicry, and if you haven't uh, heard it, just look up slime experiment uh, maze, and you'll find it. Um, and so there you can see the slime's movement, and you can see uh, this 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 unbelievably efficient uh, organism and the way that it's evolved. And I think when he was attempting to mimic that, he didn't do as good a job uh, personally. But nonetheless, the ant colony was very impressive. The utilization, and again, this is one guy. This isn't a professor. Uh, you know, he might have a degree, but he's not being paid to do this. Um, and he's he's uh, he's really, I mean, even with YouTube, and I've watched it, you know, he's not getting much out of it. I'm pretty sure he really is doing it because he is, he wants to, he wants to learn these things. He's experimenting himself. And then he puts in all of the time and effort, which, uh, which I know go into it to edit them very, very nicely. And it's high production value. And he really, uh, he, you know, he's a, he's a good visual artist <laughs> in more ways than one. And it's incredible to think that one guy will go and design this new code because I, I watch a lot of coders and most coders you know not in a bad way but if you're coding something especially if it's something big you take code that's already there you go to everyone else and you take everything that works and then you try and jumble it all together and eventually you make it work um, but that's what I think today at least 70 or 80 percent of coders do from, from what I see this guy had a piece of code that he had written years before and he didn't like it so he decided to rewrite a completely new piece of code for this uh, project even though he could have used it um, and that's the the kind of guy he is but nonetheless he has the tools uh, you know the technological um, tools available to him and the capability to come and you know write a piece of software that can simulate an ant colony and obviously he did research the subject he looked up uh, many other people who had written this kind of thing he did take uh, small pieces of code uh, you know, for certain functions. So obviously, this is not a one man inventing everything from scratch. That's never the case. But compared to if I were to do this, so I think most people, he really was doing this process from start to finish uh, by himself. And showing the extent of what the combination of the age of information, the internet, uh, you know, people sharing all of this, um, and the technological advances, not only in their capabilities, but also in the production technologies, which are making it um, available for us, which are uh, lowering the costs and making it more accessible to, you know, obviously not everyone in the world, but many, many more people than it used to be. All of this is, again, freeing us on an individual level to uh, a place where it never really was uh, possible before. Now, I feel that with a few minutes that I've uh, got left here, I just want to uh, give a, a sort of counter, as it were, um, which is, you know, I uh, I obviously am striving towards a minimalist lifestyle, a natural lifestyle, lifestyle where I'm spending most of my time outdoors in nature, utilizing my body. Um, for me, that's that seems to be the uh, the optimal state that I can be in, although I'm very far from that right now. Um, but that's what I strive to do. That's what I'm trying to do with my life. And so how can I be, you know, I think a lot of the people uh, like me, uh, people I meet here, people with farms, people who are working, don't learn Blender and don't watch 
uh, coding <laughs> videos. Um, and I think many of them, um, well, maybe I wouldn't categorize them quite, but leaning towards a certain, uh, you know, technophobia, uh, a certain uh, belief that this technology and this, uh, you know, industrial age is a big part of the problem. And that if we want to be more natural, we have to sort of give up or eliminate uh, this side of things. And again, I don't want to put words in anyone. This is a general sentiment that I feel, and I can certainly relate to some of it myself. And I do feel that the way that we do things now, the industrial, or I should say the industrious uh, uh, methods, are obviously uh, out of balance and not sustainable, let alone regenerative. However, I really don't think that we need to, you know, roll back the clocks to the Stone Age or <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I am personally absolutely, uh, yeah, passionate about these technologies and the technological developments that we uh, that we see coming through. And again, you know, I'm using this um, in many different fields in my life, from being able to design a farm to, you know, writing and directing and, and, and trying to uh, do the VFX for my, uh, for my short film. Um, so I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. I do believe that the way that things are done today, you know, this, this kind of completely uh, wasteful way of thinking where we can just take whatever we want without any kind of consequences isn't what's going to work in the long run. And I do think that that should change. But I do believe that the levels of freedom that we've secured utilizing these technologies and utilizing what humanity has been able to achieve are something that we should definitely not uh, give up easily because it's with these new technologies um, that I, I think people are learning more and more to create their own narrative. And this is, I think, the biggest uh, accomplishment that we should be striving for because the more people who create their own narrative um, the more freedom will actually uh, be and the more free people are the less willing they are to give that freedom up and so I think this really does all tie in together um, you know there's there's a lot of words that we can put up to this uh, you know uh, are you a follower or a leader etc etc but I think that it's much more simplistic than that if we look at children, we can see it very clearly. Children are often denied any kind of um, independence, at least at a younger age. And this often leads to frustration and inability for them to really relate to what they're being told to do. And if we instead, as, as I personally feel um, with many children, not um, that, that you should allow children to do whatever they want, not at all, there are definitely rules, but you should encourage and try and grow that independence as much as possible because that independence will actually serve in future uh, much much more than you know any kind of constriction that we're trying to impose as we often see with children who've had you know these kind of things and so on a much larger scale as i believe that society should definitely be thought of as <laughs> children being educated you know especially in today's age um i really think that if we um again, try to encourage this independence with people, not to act selfishly, but to think independently, and to think 
not uh, outside of someone else, not to shut out any other opinion, but to be exposed to more and more opinions and actually to be able to discern different opinions. Uh, that feels for me the direction that I would like to go. And I think a big part of that, at least throughout history, um, we've seen comes with technology, where if I'm forced to be a farmer and go you know, from my house to the land and sell it to work, I never have time to think about these things. And with today's, obviously, again, comfortable uh, situation that uh, very few people on earth are exposed to, but <laughs> even with the iPhone, if you can watch what life is like in another country, you're already uh, being exposed to much more, which is why certain countries don't want that internet to be free, obviously. But nevertheless, for our personal lives and for those we love around us, I think if we can take this whole uh, revolution that no one is really sure of what's going on with it in terms of everything exploding so quickly that no one really has it under control. You know, if it's not one thing, it's the other. And the Walmart where they sold, what was it, uh, Robin Hood? Um, you know, we're all kind of winging it at this point. Politicians, media spokesmen, like everyone acts as if they know. Nobody knows. I don't know. You know, and I certainly act like I know. We should all act like we know. And we should all really believe that because we all know our personal narrative. We know it so we can change it. We know it so we can adapt it. We know it so we can decide um, how we want it to be. And if we focus on that and focus on, you know, what narrative we want to live by and to see the world, and less anxious about other people's narratives that aren't, you know, aligned with ours, um, I think humanity in general once it becomes freer and more independent and able to relax because people feel that they have a place that they can express themselves, that their needs, uh, emotional needs are, net, are met in that sense, I think people will be much nicer <laughs> and much more calm. Uh, this, is, this is my personal experience. I obviously uh, would be interested to see. I don't know, but I'd hate for us to have to go back to a time when everyone had to work exceedingly hard just to survive. Um, and I, uh, I anyway, I, 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 that's what I personally hope for all of us, that we can be freed um, by whatever means, technological or otherwise, to express ourselves uh, both creatively and uh, generally speaking, emotionally, and be able to feel that we have uh, uh, something to say and some place to say it. Okay, I think I'm going <laughs> to end on that very odd note. But I, oh, thank you so much, Frankie. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, I haven't been on chat at all. So let me, oh, <laughs> Joe Biden support. Well, let me let me just get that there very quickly because if we're talking about politics, I do have one thing to say, and that is that uh, I don't even know how to say it. A nice soundbite. There's a great one. If voting made a difference, they'd make it illegal. I think that's how it goes. Um, right now, if you know, uh, in Israel, uh, that the, <laughs> there's been another election and Bibi was voted again. I just heard this today, so it's it's just funny. It's very funny. Okay. Um, Olive, in a phase three type civilization, there's no money and people just do what they enjoy. Exactly. And, you know, this, this may seem absolute utopia, but I really believe that with the knowledge that we have in uh, regenerative agriculture, and I've spoken about this many, many times, this is what I've based my life on, so we'll see if I'm right. I hope I am. <laughs> but, you know, if you can passively collect your rainwater, have food, you know, shelter, etc., etc., um, at least with a minimum amount of, uh, of work input, 
um, you know, then yeah, what, what, what do you do with yourself? And there seems to be this belief that if people are left to their own vices, they just will lounge about and do nothing. And I grant that that will probably be a certain transition phase. But honestly, like, uh, yeah, eventually, you know, people want to create. I mean, they might not be aware that they can. They might not even think of it as an option. I think most people I know, once they reach their sort of 20s or 30s, feel like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I do. Um, I can't, you know, I can't draw. I can't play an instrument. You know, I can't write code. I can't blah, 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 whatever. And it's just, it's a very narrowing way of thinking about these things because um, what would be more accurate to say, I can't yet. Um, I'm a testament that although I don't do any of these things well, I can do a lot of things. Um, and it's not about doing it well. It's about what interests you. So, uh, yeah, okay. I can say, oh, sorry. Uh, Olev, then JP, Joe Biden. No, oh, JP is the Jewish power hours of MSP way. <laughs> nice. Wait, but uh, sustainable lifestyles, you can lounge around your produce your produce uh, you produce your food and energy you can't lounge around you produce your food and energy um, well that's why I mean passively so by producing energy uh, and producing food we actually don't produce food uh, the earth produces food or plants produce food um, and uh, you know we're talking about meat and vegan etc etc but most of it let's say um, and if you were gearing your lifestyle in that way and obviously what I'm suggesting wow this is so off topic but we'll <laughs> I'll just mention it because I have to um, we're in the, near the end of the show anyway so it's okay I spoke about this a few first few uh, episodes but uh, no 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 I uh, it doesn't take as much work as 60 hours oh you're not yeah it doesn't take Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I think we can lower the number of hours you need to work much, much lower because if you have a, you know, uh, maintenance-less food forest and your shelter and, uh, you know, your water uh, being captured, etc., and if all of these things are basically passive and require maintenance, you know, every once in a while, um, then you really should be able to free up the vast majority of your hours mi minus... Uh, the time that it takes you to basically gather and then process. And so for various things, process it can take a different amount of time. But for me, I really want to get into the grazing lifestyle, which is you go out and you eat from the bush. And this isn't just cutting out all the time of preparation and cooking and, and, and you know, all of that. Um, but it's also all of the, you know, dishes and washing and drying. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do to actually cut a lot of that time. Uh, okay, I, yeah, yeah, grazing is an excellent way. That's how animals do it. And if you've got a food forest, then it's designed for that. Anyway, that's a little bit off topic, <laughs> but uh, I can see that we're coming to the end. Next is avian flu. I can see that you're here with post-up, so please stay tuned for that. All of you in chat, oh my gosh, thank you so, so much for joining. I hope you enjoyed it, my babbling nonetheless. Um, I've been Olev. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here with you. And uh, I hope I see you all next week for another episode. Until then, have a good one. Bye. Bye.